You're listening to the Grace Church Conversations podcast, a weekly resource to help you apply Sunday to Monday. I'm Jared. And I'm Craig. How you doing, Craig? Great, man. How are you? And I'm just... You know, I just my head is full of Christmassy things. There you go. Yeah, it's it's a good time of the year for me. Most wonderful time of the year. It is. Um, anything big going on with you? Uh, no, just Christmas stuff at the church. We'll talk about that at the end, maybe. Oh, that's true. Instead, of, I won't start with that. But uh, no, that's probably. Uh, I think that's uh, that's the big thing. Christmas. I'm just thinking about stuff going on with our church family here. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Cool. Well, uh, I guess we'll just jump into, uh, I, I got one big uh, kind of question to give you for, uh, in response to this past week, we talked about oaths uh, in Matthew 5, 33 and 30, or through 37 as part of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount and mm-hmm. as part of our, our series, The Good Life, um, where Jesus is just kind of talking about what it looks like to be a part of, of his kingdom and about the kingdom uh, the kingdom of heaven and, and what it looks like to, to join with uh, that and really uh, just living completely different from the world around us. Uh-huh. Um, and so it's interesting uh, just talking through Jesus' teaching on oaths um, I, I think the the main question probably we can ask is this. So how do we stay faithful to Jesus's teaching on oaths uh, when we are sometimes culturally required to take oaths, like giving testimony in court or joining the military? And you hit on these on Sunday, but I was wondering if you would unpack those a little bit more for us here, uh, maybe in a more practical sense. Yeah, I think that's an important question. Um, and I didn't talk about it in the sermon, honestly, because I thought I've got this opportunity to talk about it. And I didn't think it was, uh, you know, telling the truth is like a 24 seven issue. We're all facing taking an oath in court is much less common, but it's a very important question. And, um, someone asked me about it after church, as soon as church was over in the lobby, someone asked me about uh, this and raised, you know, the, the, uh, issue of, of being asked to do this. Well, uh, here's a couple thoughts on it. First of all, um, Jesus himself, who is teaching in Matthew 5, Jesus himself actually speaks under oath. And we see this in uh, Matthew 26. I'm going to read verses 63 and 64. It says, But Jesus remained silent, and the high priest said to him, I adjure you by the living God, Tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. And Jesus said to him, You have said so, but I tell you, from now on, you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. So the high priest was, in essence, putting Jesus under oath. I mean, he was saying, I adjure you by the living God. He's taking God's name and he's saying, You know, the, uh, I'm calling you to speak the truth. And in essence, you're taking a, you're taking an oath that that's the case. So interesting. And he, so Jesus responds. Jesus didn't say to the high priest, wait a minute, did you read Matthew 5? You know, <laughs> he doesn't do that, but he, he, he does speak in this instance. And I think the reason is because in Matthew 5, Jesus is talking about a system that has sort of gotten out of control in his day where oaths had come to mean nothing. Yeah. And uh, now let me ask you a question. You always ask the questions, but when right. I gave the illustration, given my age, I give illustrations sometimes that I know soar over the heads of the young'uns in mm. our midst, you being one of those. Am I representative I of think the so. Youngins? Yeah, wow. you are in your 20s. It's and um, so uh, when I told the illustration 
of in my elementary school, people would cross their fingers and your promise did not count if you had fingers crossed. Was that new to you or did, did you have heard of that? No, no, no. I, I was totally privy to that uh, secret bunch you, of knowledge. Apparently. You knew that. Yeah. It, it actually, when you said that, it made me think of like uh, pinky swears and stuff exactly like that. Exactly right. Which interestingly enough, around that age, I thought it was pinky square. And so oh, nice. I wouldn't trust any of my, my uh, memory pinky, of <laughs> crossing fingers and stuff in light of that. But the pinky oath was an oath of, uh, yeah, that it was, was a, a childhood uh, very oath heavy. as well. Yeah, yeah. No doubt. So someone in the lobby also after church that would have been more in my generation was like, oh, I was right with you on that cross the fingers thing. And it's not you, because that we did that in my school too. And my kids my age did that. And so I'm but, glad to know that you were tracking. Oh, I, for I sure. didn't, didn't want to lose uh, any of the younger folks. So, no, not at all. Um, Anyway, I think that's the problem. And so Jesus is saying, because people are doing all, that, all of that, just speak truthfully. Um, so I think that's the context and the point. That's why he goes through Jerusalem. Uh, that's why he goes through, you know, swearing by your hair or whatever. That's why he's giving those examples. Um, a second way to think about this, um, and this would be theological, would be that there, there may be appropriate ways to uh, speak in public and private. Public and private speech. Luther um, spoke of two kingdoms that we in essence, live in two kingdoms. And that while in the church, you and I as brothers in the church might not swear an oath to one another, just mm-hmm. say yes or no, tell the truth. There may be a place where we don't all just live in the church among brothers yeah. and sisters in Christ, but we live in a culture that's not Christian. So there may be situations in our culture uh, where it requires an oath. And if that's the case, um, then it's okay to to do that as a means of um, the culture believes that 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 it that it, it it gives more sobriety to the pledge one is making that they're telling the truth and so yeah. we're going to do that if we don't believe that and we're not taking oaths at community group this week or whatever um then that that is uh, that is okay. We live in two cultures, two worlds, and there's a sense at which, in some things, what you and I might do here might not, uh, you know, might not be exactly the same uh, at the culture at large. If, when we when we have our citizen hat on, and under Romans 13, the, the you know the the judge is telling us we need to, in essence, take an oath. Um, and we'll see that this week in the in the passage where we do talk about turning the other cheek and some mm. of that. Is there a difference in a public a public official's role? Um, and a private official and some, a private person and some of that. So there's a little, a little of what's coming this weekend. But um, so in court, swearing uh, or a swearing in for a public office or swearing in for the military, um, this is sober speech where someone's making a commitment. And in our culture, it is recognized like those are the only places where someone would um, take an oath. And that seems to mm. be very, very far from the problem that Jesus is addressing. Yeah. So when Jesus is in court, so to speak, and he's put, he's adjured under God's name, he doesn't stay silent because that would be wrong. Mm. He speaks uh, when p- he's placed under oath, we could say, and he speaks. So I think in our culture, in, un, under an unusual circumstance where it's required, um, and the standards of honesty may not be the same as the kingdom of God, so there is this sense of we're going to take an oath. I think it's, uh, I think it's okay uh, to do that. R.T. France, in, who's a New Testament scholar, in his commentary um, on Matthew, he makes the point that ideally it would be great if uh, no oath was needed in court. But he says, mm-hmm. quote, in practice, oaths serve a remedial purpose in a world where the ethics of the kingdom of heaven are not always followed. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So what he's saying is if, if this is required and it helps and we're, it allows us to be a faithful citizen and it, it doesn't, doesn't offend God in this sense of the way we're doing it, that it's, uh, yeah. that it's, it's permissible. Mm-hmm. And I think that the flip side of this is that if we say in our conscience, and someone could, Christians do, in our conscience, I, I cannot do that, then what we really end up doing is opting out uh, of participation in in like whole segments of society. Um, So for instance, if I would never take an oath of office or a judicial oath or a military oath, then it's pretty clear I'm never going to be a a judge or someone who's a public servant Mm. um, or who is in the military. And so people have done that. And people take this view of no oaths under any circumstance, um, pro- probably not giving as much weight to the context, um, and hold that view. Of, and this, the, the stream of folks who've done that historically are Anabaptists. So folks like the Amish um, or Mennonites, those that stream of Christianity has um, has held up to the Sermon on the Mount in a pretty literal approach. And mm-hmm. on so that one, they wouldn't. But you kind of observe there's not a lot of uh, people in those communities that are, um, you know, uh, sort of in the world, but not of it. They're just sort of out of the world, Uh, you know, so there's a, it's a separatist idea. So I'm not saying that we just play with scripture however we want, because we don't ever want to be a separatist. No, there's times that we are to opt out of the culture, but in this one, it would just seem unusual that God would say in our culture, Hey, you really can't participate in those kinds of roles. I, I imagine there's a lot of other swearing ins I hadn't thought about. Maybe even like, I don't know, so I should probably ask some people about this, but like law enforcement or mm. there may be different places like yeah. that where it's required yeah. where you go, wow, you know, we're really going to be separating ourselves from positions of influence in the culture. Right. Um, so, and the fact that Jesus spoke when he was placed under oath, I, I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable with personally taking one if I'm in court or if I have ever, be, you know, get on the Supreme Court or anything like that, I'll, I'll go ahead and think we're safe there. Yeah, yeah. it's good to know. You know that if it, that wouldn't, that's the only thing. Yeah. You, you're thinking, yeah, I, you're probably not president because that oath thing. No, it's, there's other reasons I'm not. So, uh, um, uh, that's funny. So anyway, I don't no, know if that's, that's, if that makes sense. That's really helpful. And it, and it also seems that like, uh, you know, if we were to ignore the context, just take it at face sure. value. Yeah. We'd be, we'd be forced just sure. out of public life. Kind of, kind of like what you're saying, but, uh, maybe an even deeper, deeper principle here. Uh, and you alluded to this on, on Sunday, um, is that even more, uh, you know, Jesus teaching convicts our heart of the areas where we've been dishonest mm-hmm. of, uh, you know, the point isn't like, you know, you go to court Anyone who sits on that that witness stand is going to be, uh, you know, sworn in, right. called to to make an oath to the truth. Right. Um, doesn't matter who you are. Right. Everyone's going to do that. Right. But I think the problem would be if you know no one is is called to make to make an oath, but then they come to you and they're like, oh, we're really going to need you to make an oath. Yeah, cause, right. Cause sure. We don't know if you're sure. you're you're good for it, really. Yeah, right. So that's the greater concern is that I'm not an honest person. Yeah, exactly. And we live in a world of dishonest. So it's required. And mm-hmm. you know, arguably. Um, you know, uh, the idea of signing a contract is, is somewhat similar. I think, I mean, you're, yeah. you're, you are make, uh, you may not be using God's name, but you are at least, 
Um, my word is my bond is not good enough. I'm having to go beyond my word to demonstrate that I really am telling the truth about this. Right. And uh, so I think there even even stuff like that you look at it go that's just kind of the world we live in. And so we have to uh, we have to realize that. And I, I don't know anybody who doesn't sign contracts as a as a matter of practice, you know. So right. Yeah, that's yeah good. but we want to be truthful people. So where someone said, hey, I know you I wouldn't need a contract, wouldn't, uh, you know, uh, you, you're, you're good for it because you are generally uh, faithful in your lifestyle. You do what you say. And when you fail to do what you say, you take responsibility. And yeah, yeah so well, that's good. Yeah. So that's hopefully helpful. that cleared it up a little bit. So yeah, for sure. I think so. Cool. Uh, okay. Can I say something about... Do, if you don't have any other questions, can I say something about questions? No, I think we're good. Go ahead. Okay. Add, say what you will about questions. Yeah, I wanted to encourage folks um, to, um, you know, text in questions if, if they're things you would like, uh, that you'd really like to know about what we're talking about in a particular uh, sermon. And I wanted to talk specifically about, these are anonymous, which is helpful. Uh, you know, you text them in, there's a phone number that comes in, but your name doesn't show up when it goes into the... I don't know, the magical world of Google that forwards these to, to you. You get them and then you uh, email them to me or whatever. Part of it is routed through the Wonka factory. Oh, nice. Okay. Well, I knew there was something magical about the whole process. Um, so, uh, but I wanted to, here's a point I want to make. I read something I found very interesting and uh, it's, it's, it's about the fact that oftentimes we don't ask questions because we think it's a stupid question. Mm. And uh, so I read this book that has to do with big data, which talked about, um, uh, well, it really talked about the, how we find the truth of what people are really thinking uh, by their Google searches, um, which is kind of a scary thought. But in, in, this, in this particular book, the author says, when you were young, a teacher may have told you that if you have a question, you should raise your hand and ask it, uh, because if you are confused, others are too. If you were anything like me, you ignored the teacher's advice and sat there silently, afraid to open your mouth. Yeah. Your questions were too dumb, you thought. Everyone else's were profound. The anonymous aggregate Google data can tell us once and for all how right our teachers were. Plenty of basic sub-profound questions lurk in other people's minds as well. <laughs> and so the point was your teacher is really right. And so th they gave this illustration from big data. Uh, they went back to a, I don't, I don't know when this book was written, so it wasn't under the Trump administration, but they went back to uh, 2014, President Obama's State of the Union uh, speech. And so during the State of the Union, they, they cultivated every query that had anything to do with it uh, on Google. And the number one question asked during his 2014 State of the Union is, how old is Obama? <laughs> so that's reasonable. Yeah. But now, I mean, because who knew? So that, that's reasonable. But the idea of this next question, the number two question is, who is sitting next to Biden. So Biden's behind him. And then sitting next to him is John Boehner, who's the Speaker of the House of Representatives and uh, who's a Republican. And, uh, and, and so obviously, if you were like in a room, if you had a, like, a lot of educated folk, political folks saying, hey, come over and watch the State of the Union with us. And you sat down in their living room. There's no way you're asking, hey, who's the guy sitting next to Biden? <laughs> Because you, you think, that's a dumb question. I'm supposed to know who that is. Sure. Okay, so the number three question during the speech was, why is Boehner, the, the guy, the Speaker of the House at next to him, why is Boehner wearing a green tie? That's the number th the third. Okay, we're talking about the State of the Union. The president is speaking, the number three question. And the number four question, 
Why is Boehner orange? <laughs> now, I don't know. I mean, what is it re- with Republicans that are orange? I don't know. But I, I, I don't know if you remember. But I had that exact same thought. I don't know. Like if he got, I don't remember this State of the Union. I typically watch it. But I remember watching one State of the Union where I had the thought, it looks like he spent too long in the tanning booth. And so that's the number four question. So the author goes on to say, You might read these questions and think they speak poorly of our democracy. To be more concerned about the color of someone's tie or his skin tone instead of the content of the president's speech doesn't reflect well on us. (laughs) To not know who John Boehner, then then the Speaker of the House of Representatives is, also doesn't say much for our political engagement. So here was the the whole point they were, the guy's making is the reality is lots of people have questions they would never ask publicly because of embarrassment, because I think I'm supposed to know this. I feel this way all the time, but they will Google them. And he's saying, Google tells us the truth about it. You really will get the truth about what people are, are thinking. Yeah. So this, think of this as your Google that you can, you can certainly Google. Can I take as a Christian, can I take a, an oath in court? You, you can Google. I don't know what'll show up, but you can also just text us in the speech. Uh, I, t- I mean, take during this message, you can text us in your questions about the sermon and uh, I was thinking about his speech here. You can, uh, and we will respond to it. Uh, please don't ask about my clothing or my skin tone, though. Those are the number three and four questions during a State of the Union, which is, I just think that speaks wonderfully for our citizenship, our citizen. Oh, for sure. Right? Yeah. These are what we're concerned about. Who are all these men on the stage with him? <laughs> yeah, ex- who's the guy speaking? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. What's that a guy. president? Yeah, exactly. So there's my little ditty to oh, encourage good, questions. Good. There's no, uh, well, actually, this proves there are dumb questions, regardless of what your teacher said, but just send them in. We, we want someone else's thinking the same thing. So yes. send them in and we'll do our best to answer them. And if you ask us a question, we would we don't think they're dumb. We, we appreciate your participation. Yeah, that's right. And I might add this, that you never know who you're serving in the room by asking that question. Yeah, because that's right. Because you might be articulating in a way that someone else didn't know how to ask it or, uh, you know, just having many different perspectives, asking those questions, uh, really raises the conversation for us all. And, uh, and I think it, it really is you taking a hand in ministering to, you know, for sure. to the body. For sure. So. Have you ever been somewhere where someone asked a question, you go, I was thinking the exact same yeah. thing and I'm glad they asked yes. that. And, uh, so we don't always get to all the questions, but we do our best. Yeah, and, uh, sure. so if that can be, um, just uh, something to share to encourage you to uh, send them in. Yeah, well, that's great. Thank you. Um, well, I, I think we're finished with that. Do you have anything upcoming that you want to talk about for the church? Christmas. Yeah. Yes. Uh, okay. <laughs> Tell me, I'm actually holding this in my hands. It's beautiful. Tell too. me what you think about the card that uh, the invite card that was produced by one Fred Rodriguez. I love it, but I'm going to be honest. And, and this isn't a slight at all, but Fred, if you're listening. So when I saw the heart growing in size in the corner, I thought of the Grinch and I'm wondering if you did that on purpose. Oh yeah. Is it, how many sizes too small? Uh, three my, sizes. Three small, sizes. I think. How many are there? Three sizes. Hey Fred, I think we're okay, on we'll something find, There's a question. We'll find out. Was yeah. he, was he, was it a dual <laughs> reference to uh, our hearts responding to our Savior coming, but Wouldn't also... Wouldn't that be great, like, Easter egg sort of thing of, yeah. you know, Fred Rodriguez's favorite Christmas yeah, thing could be. is we'll the find out. Who knows? Well, this guy produced a choice uh, piece of uh, graphic wonder. Absolutely. And I love it. Uh, so it's it's it looks great, and you could use this. Please get a stack of these on Sunday, and then you can invite folks out. So what's on the back is... 
you know, obviously this Sunday, which will be a little late, uh, unless you grabbed one Sunday, you could give it to somebody. But if you give it, get one this weekend, we have the Sunday, the 23rd. So we'll be doing our regular two, two services, 9 a.m. and 11 a.m., but it'll be Christmas themed. Um, so maybe you're leaving town on the 24th or someone, you know, it's still a good time to come and bring a guest. The service will probably be a little bit shorter than uh, normal. Uh, we'll edit it a little bit, make it a little bit briefer uh, on the 23rd. And then the 24th, my two favorite services of the year, it's probably a tie would be uh, the 24th uh, Christmas Eve and Good Friday. They both are, uh, the room's dark um, mm. for both of those. Um, but this is our Christmas <laughs> Eve candlelight service. Uh, and so that's always one for the kids with us uh, in there. So it's a memory for them. It's less than an hour. I mean, we top out at an hour. Yeah. And then, um, you know, at the end, we always uh, we always sing and, and light the candles, which is beautiful and memorable. So that was at five o'clock. And what we're doing this year for the first time ever is we will be translating, uh, you know, translating the, the message. I don't think the songs so much, but the message uh, will be translated into Espanol. Oh, very that, that's, cool. That's Spanish, Jared. Uh, is, and, that, is that what that yes. means? Yes. Okay, and uh, so the good thing about that is that we're trying to do this, a little bit of a pilot thing, um, but we're, we're, we've had people inquire about this. So we're looking yeah. at um, trans- live translation of the sermons on a, on a regular basis. That's We'd great. like to be able to do that. So if you have someone that you know uh, who is primarily, exclusively, or even primarily, or just more comfortable with Spanish than, than English, um, Spanish is their first language. Language and they're more comfortable, then uh, please invite them. That This would be something that would be a great... Um, they may not have a lot of options on Christmas Eve. Yeah. I, their, their options are limited, I would think, if you're in the area. So uh, we want to be an option for folks in the Spanish-speaking community. And uh, and beyond that, Jared, this is not... We're doing it on the 24th, but we're tossing it out there and saying, see what happens. I mean, if nobody does it and we try it again, nobody does it, okay, fine. But if we have a number of people that are like, oh, yeah, I would like translation, or I could bring my relative, my father, my grandmother, my, you know, whoever it is. Um, if we find that people are responsive, then this is something we'd like to do regularly and see how the Lord might open the door for us to bring the uh, gospel into the uh, Spanish speaking community. Mm, very good. That's great. Yeah, it's exciting. Well, I'm looking forward to that. And uh, yeah, it's going to be good to get together and come together and celebrate. Uh, all right, cool. I think that's it for us. Uh, before we go, I have to ask you this. What is your favorite Christmas movie? Oh man! Well, you know what? You're gonna think I'm saying this just because you no, said it. No, don't but do it. I no, is don't it yours? Say it. No, no, the original. And now, is there like four or five of them? I don't know because there's a new one this year. But The Grinch is my favorite. Really? The, now, the original cartoon with is it Boris Karloff? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that that to me, I love that one. I, I just have always loved that one. I mean, everybody likes Elf. I like Elf. That's a movie, not yeah. a cartoon. I love Elf. But if I was going to watch two, and I don't think I've watched any this year, but if I was going to watch two, I would probably watch The Grinch and I would watch, uh, I would watch Elf. Yeah. How about you? Choices. Yeah. Uh, Okay. So I, uh, yeah, The Grinch is good. Elf is good. So here's a new thing for me. And maybe it's because I haven't watched it in a while until last uh, Christmas was Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Is that right? Yeah. So I, so I obviously grew up watching it every year, that sort of thing. But I think I took about a five or six year break and watched Mm. it last Christmas. And I realized in Rudolph, Santa is horrible. Is that right? Oh, he's very mean. He, 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 uh, shames Rudolph's parents for giving birth to such a deformed reindeer. And oh, it's it's just terrible. Yeah. It's, it's very dark. So if you want to look at total depravity, you watch Rudolph, the red nosed reindeer. Wow. 
Uh, Man. Anyways, I just had to get that off yeah, my chest. Thank you. Thank you for. I, I had no idea. I'm probably not watching it. Uh, <laughs> so. No, no, that's a that's a good classic one. Uh, what well, we actually just watched is a Wonderful Life the other night. Oh, of course, and that's that's a classic. That's the right answer. It's like uh, what's your favorite movie? You're supposed to say Casablanca yeah, if, yeah, or something. If it's so you're white, supposed yeah. to Citizen say King. yeah. You're supposed to say it's a Wonderful yeah, Life. So, that, that's, so that, that's why I went with the Grinch. I'll play it safe and say that. There you go. If I was a sinner, I'd say something like Christmas Vacation yeah, or something. Please but don't. No one please here don't. would watch something like not that. Not me. <laughs> I heard All of right. it. <laughs> I think that's it for us. Okay. So. <laughs> well, uh, I, I'll see you later. Yep, thank you. <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.